Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, good evening. This is Love Sport Radio with your London football fan show. My name is Aaron Paul. Joining me this evening from West Ham World, a delighted West Ham World, is Mr. James Jones. How are you, pal? Very good. Yeah, you had, you had a bit of an iffy weekend, but it was it was made better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, um, I'm still really trying to get my head around it, really. It's, we're having po- positive shows every week now. Exactly. It's weird, isn't it's it? We've had really negative weird. since March, but you know what? Yeah. We are on the uh, up. Joining me as well, Sam Avery, West Ham United fan and uh, a Football League Suprema. How are you, pal? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah? Delighted. Happy with the result? Delighted. 11 goals in a week. What is this? Exactly, exactly. I mean, look, I don't want to uh, take any shine off the off the Macclesfield performance because effectively, you know, you did what was expected of you when a, when a, a lesser team comes to town, a home tie in, in, a, in the early rounds of a cup competition you expect a bit of a demolition job you know often these these lower ranked teams will come they will come and uh, and, and and try and grab a draw grab a goal just try and upset the apple cart a bit but first and foremost that eight nil very very briefly all happy yeah i think uh, that's one game where west Ham normally normally mess up on isn't it you know mm-hmm. we, we yeah. always it's, it's either a last minute you know have to rely on a last minute goal or it'll go to penalties or we'll, we'll be outplayed and like we just won't turn up we'd never give the opposition opposition like that any respect normally so for us to you know just turn up and, and win eight nil with you know it was a strong team but it was it was essentially a b team wasn't it yeah. um i mean all, we've spoken on the show before that all the recruitment that we did has allowed our b team to still be quite a strong team isn't it really um but it was really pleasing to see us turn up and and, and just get the job done professionally 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, to score eight goals instills confidence into the team, which was massive going into the game against United. Um, great for Grady Diangana as well to mm. score a brace um, and then make the bench and come on um, against United. So, no, it was it was a, it was a great performance, a, a great eight nil win. And like I say, really, I mean, it's a potential banana skin, isn't it? Any any um, lower league team coming to your home ground, but we did the job done as as James said professionally. I was just about to say that though, Dan Garner. I mean, you know, a lot talked about him uh, goals in midweek and obviously his Premier League debut as well. Another player coming through the academy of football. Yeah, it's another one. Um, I, I think it's probably a little bit too early to get too excited just yet. Um, we've seen a lot of a lot of young players be given given a chance in in cup games and they've not really delivered. Okay, Grady, Grady did deliver, and he was he was rewarded, you know, quite quite rightly with uh, with what two minutes against United at the end. I think he might, might touch the ball <laughs> once or twice, but you know, he was he, desperate for it. He was, yeah. And if he can continue improving and taking those opportunities when when they come, then then there's no reason why he can't. No reason why he can't continue to grow and be a regular fixture in the first team, like Mark Noble and Declan Rice have done. Joe Powell and Conor, Coventry as well getting minutes. Yeah. Yeah, both of those look really good as well. They're, they're good young players. In terms of other players in that lineup, you know, let me run through that line. There's Adrian, Frederick, Steelbog, Bonner, Cresswell, Obiang, Sanchez, Snodgrass, Diangana, Perez, and Antonio. Who from there is now knocking on the door for a first team starting spot out of those players? Obviously, you know, there's <laughs> there's rotation in all sorts of squads, but, you know, Manuel Pellegrini, as we know, has found a sort of a settled lineup now. Who do you reckon is sitting there going, well, you know what, look, I played well against these lot, give me a chance? It's difficult to tell, really, on the back of such a great performance and, and a team that is you know, almost unchanged now. You know, Pellegrini, I think, knows his best eleven, so it's very difficult for those kind of players to knock on the door, even after winning 8-0. Um, I mean, I've been impressed with Robert Snodgrass so far this season. You know, for mm. someone who was on loan at way at Aston Villa last season, um, you know, very much out of favour, um, for him to come back in and, and made a few starts. And I, th- I think he's made a decent impression. You know, he hasn't been as good as a Yarmolenko or Anderson but he certainly seems to be you know a useful player to bring off the bench or even as like a rotation player as well um, I think he's improving which is good but other than that not, I can't really think of anyone who, who would knock on the no, door No I mean a lot of them a lot of those players have been used apart from the, the three youth players mm. that got played a lot of them have been used I mean that's a great point on Snodgrass I mean when he came on on, on Saturday against United he just worked his socks off and he just didn't stop yeah. running and um, I think there was one point where he, he, he was chasing this ball down and even Mark Noble was applauding him like, while the game was still going on he was just really working hard and it just shows you you want players like that that are just trying really hard to get into the team and work their way into the manager's plans. And he even came out after his goal against Macclesfield and said, you know, it's it's, it's a great honour to score for for such a great football club. And you, you want you want to hear players say those sort of things, particularly when the, the start of their career at the club wasn't particularly uh, promising. No, I think we. Yeah, I mean, another player who's is in a kind of similar situation like that was was Marko Arnautovic having got sent off yeah. against Southampton. You know, completely. You know, revitalised his West Ham career and is now arguably our best player. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's great that players like Snodgrass and Arnautovic have turned around their West Ham careers and are excellent players. Yeah, they've turned into into decent players. I mean, Arnautovic as well, different gravy. We're going to look ahead or look back at Saturday, if you like, uh, a, a bit further after ten past seven, but. You know, the, the, the rise and rise of Marko Arnautovic over the past six to seven months has been absolutely incredible. Do you credit David Moyes for this? Yes. Yeah. You, you can't not. You can't not. He's the one that came in and started playing him up front. And ever since then, he's just 
what, what you see is what you get with him now. He just doesn't stop running. You know, he's scoring for fun. Set four goals in six appearances this season. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And um, you know, before then, before David Moyes came in, no goals, a red card, a silly red card, and and a load of really underwhelming performances when he was playing out wide and. If you look at his stats over the years, he's performed a lot better as a striker. Even when he was at Stoke, he's played a couple of times as a striker and scored goals there, but then kept getting put back out on the wing. Um, and he's carved they've carved out a nice little, you know, a nice little position for him. And he's he pushed out the likes of Hernandez, who you'd never thought would be pushed out the team. And he's, you know, he can't get a game now. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting when you know you hear Arnautovic get interviewed about changing position to being up front, and he talks about his frustration at being. You know, put out wide and being, you know, out of the forte really in terms of West Ham coming forward through the middle quite naturally and him sort of being left isolated out wide. And, you know, he wants to be the main man and he's more than capable of being so. And he's proven that now by being an excellent striker for us and, and like like James said, banging in goals for fun. I mean, he looks absolutely top notch to me and the way he bullied the United back line on Saturday was absolutely incredible. I mean, that wasn't mm. really a hard job with Scott McTominay at the back. <laughs> What I was sure that the owners know what was I was doing, that I didn't have any doubt that it was the correct way, that the players didn't have any doubt also that that's so important. That's why we continue playing in the same way, improving of course. I understand that they started the first four games with just defeats, but working the way we are doing, we, I always felt that the fans were behind us. Uh, so this is a, a gift for them. There you go, West Ham United manager Manuel Pellegrini speaking to Sky Sports following his side's 3-1 win at the London Stadium over Manchester United. The Well, the second big game over the weekend, wasn't it? I think it was uh, sort of uh, superseded by the, the game at uh, Stamford Bridge, but what a cracker at the London Stadium. West Ham United um, absolutely smashing Manchester United to, to, to bits, you know, mm. and in that clip, Pellegrini talks about how the fans were behind him after those defeats. What do you make of it? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we all were. I mean, I know you know you, James. You backed Pellegrini after the first sort of three or four games, and um, you know it's it's difficult. And Pellegrini said in interviews as well how he he always starts off at a club slow. I didn't quite know what to read into that, but no, I mean, I mean to to have lost at home to teams like Bournemouth and Wolves, and you know obviously going away to Arsenal and Liverpool, we probably didn't expect much. Um, and then you know looking ahead after the international break to games against Everton, Chelsea, and United, I mean I'd have snapped your hand off at seven points. Mm. It's, it's an, an incredible turn around yeah I, you're right I, I, I was always behind him I think and I've said it before that there was so much that happened in the summer there's so much change that it was almost a given that it was going to take a few weeks to, to really get going even even with a, a, a long pre-season a full pre-season under, under his management but I think we saw we saw signs of that in the, in the defeat to Arsenal that something was beginning to happen you know it, there was some positivity to come out of that game we, I mean I think we were quite unlucky to lose that uh, and then you know we lost in the last minute to Wolves, which you know had we got a point against Wolves, you know no one really would have said anything at all. But it was just it was another defeat. Um, but then after that, he's, he's tweaked the tactics, and it all begins to see, seems to be falling into place. I mean, where was it one where you know for you on Saturday was it a case of United were were horrendously poor, or was it a case of West Ham outclassed them? A bit of both, I think. 
Yeah, I think we rode our luck a little bit at times as well. I think, you know, with Yarmolenko's deflected goal, Zabaleta is offside just for the first goal. Mm. And there's maybe a foul from Zabaleta on Young for the third as well. So I think we rode our luck, but sometimes you need a bit of luck. And I think we deserved it based on the overall performance against Manchester United because it was very good. And the the confidence that we're showing against teams like Manchester United is, is very good at the moment you know I, I was really impressed with, with Declan Rice you know from what I saw on Saturday um, looks really confident in midfield now I wasn't too sure about him in midfield at the start of the season you know I've, very, I've always very much seen him as a centre half but now he seems to have taken to that centre midfield position this season like a duck to water and that trio of himself Noble and Obiang mm. is really clicking yeah it was a great performance and yeah, you're right we, we did ride our luck but you know when you've got pl- 11 players out there that all clearly want it um, and that was one thing that I noticed that you know every single player, even the subs that came on, they they were all so hungry for success that day. Okay, Man United weren't great, and you know a lot has been said since since the game that you know it's all been about Man United's yeah. poor performance and not about West Ham's brilliant performance. And I think West Ham deserve a lot of credit. Pellegrini deserves a lot of credit for for finding a system that works and for finding a his, his best eleven after four or five games where he couldn't really work it out. Um, you know the likes of Declan Rice Mark Noble had, had a wonderful game one of his best games in a West Ham shirt I think you know the centre halves Balbuena and Diop both both absolutely superb yeah. Zabaleta was you know just didn't stop running all game and it was just a, it was just a really good West Ham performance and I would say probably our best performance at that stadium so far do you think that it was simply a case of West Ham wanted it more than Man United. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I think so, and that's not really something we've seen enough of this season, especially with that game against Wolves. You know, and we didn't really want it that day. You know, we're very much playing for a point, and even if you're playing for a point, you still have to work hard for that point, especially against a team like Wolves, who are very well drilled um, under you know Nuno. So it, it was always it was always going to be difficult. We always knew we had to work hard against teams like Everton, Chelsea, and Manchester United, and and we've done that, and you know we've reaped the rewards really in the points that we've gained and you know that's fantastic to see and there seems to be a mentality switch in this squad and you know which is great and like, like James said credit to Pellegrini credit to the players for turning it around because it's looking a lot lot brighter than it did um, at the end of August <laughs> I mean how good was Mark Noble genuinely you know I was fortunate enough to be in a position where you know tactically you get to see everything from that you know that right at the top of the right London the top, Stadium mm. um, and, and just watching him just completely control everything he looked like that old-fashioned leader that he was you know just the general in the midfield I mean there were so many times towards the end where United were pushing forward and pushing forward and West Ham had acres and acres to counter-attack and it always started through Mark Noble I've just got this vision in my head of him picking up the ball and just darting forward now every single time looking for a pass how good was he he was outstanding and he has been ever since Pellegrini you know picked that that midfield three he's played him in a more advanced role he's allowed Obiang and Declan Rice sort of hold like sort of just holding off a little bit and allowing Noble to go forward and and I think part of his game maybe you know trying to prove a few people wrong because there's been a lot said about him in recent weeks about maybe he's lost his legs you know his legs are gone now he's not the player he used to be Um, he's on his way out the West Ham team and I even said I feared for him this season I I feared for his West Ham future as a first team starter because of the signings that he made but I think a lot of it might be that he's proving people wrong and at the moment he's definitely doing that he he was absolutely outstanding he had Paul Pogba in his pocket um, until he got hauled off on the hour I think it was and again you know I think that's him being in that team and that leader and he's a West Ham fan everyone knows how much he loves the club how much he knows he tries for the club having a player like that in the team during that tough start to the season I think was really important 
But tactically, I mean, what was different from, from Pellegrini up against Mourinho? Obviously, you know, I think when everyone saw that lineup from uh, Jose Mourinho, I, I, I was one who imagined it to be, um, you know, De Gea, Young, Smalling, Lindelof and Shaw with McTominay, Fellaini and Matic as a midfield three. Um, Pogba playing l- behind Lukaku and Martial, you know, sort of a, as a number 10. But when you see McTominay in a back three, I mean, surely as West Ham United fans watching that game, you're sitting there going, hold up, well, they're playing a back five against us. It's inside the first five minutes, I said to my mate, uh, I, I said, McTominay's playing deep today. And then I realised he was playing centre-half. I just, it, it, it was just so weird that he, you know, he'd, set, he'd set the team up like that. And that really played into our hands, I think. Yeah, it allowed us to come forward and you know, it allowed players like Noble to, to come forward and pick out the passes in, in which we know he can. I think, you know, I don't, really, I don't really like to say it, but I think Jack Wilshere getting injured was almost a blessing in disguise for, for Mark Noble. Because it I gives said him, that the other, I'm sure yeah. I said it that. It gives him that week. more advanced role. And I think, you know, playing, you know, Obiang and Rice, you mm. know, they're obviously more defensively disciplined. You know, Noble is as well, but it allows him to have a bit more freedom about his game. And, I mean, to put a question to you, James, I mean, right now, would Manuel Lanzini get in this team should, if he was fit? I think he will. Um, I, think, I think that midfield three at the moment is good. And it's, it's offered us a lot. It's offered the back four a lot of protection, but also allows us to go forward. I think with someone like Lanzini, even Wilshere potentially, but mm. Lanzini more so. If we had a little bit more creativity in that midfield three, then you know the, the front three, Yarmolenko, Anderson, and Atovic will have a lot more fun in front of goal. I think. Um, okay, you lose a little bit. Of def- you know, a bit. You know, some like defensive. Uh, you know, solidity there, but. If you've got someone like Lanzini in, in your squad, you've got you got to find a room, room for him. And I think p- putting him in that three, I think we'll have a bit of, bit of fun with it. Yeah, Monday night across the capital. This is Love Sport Radio with your West Ham fan show. Looking back at that big, big result from the London Stadium. Let's talk about atmosphere. Um, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't really that uh, enthused about it on, on uh, sort of for, for the first 45 minutes on Saturday. I thought the West Ham fans weren't bad. But then in the second half, you guys were different, different class getting behind your team. Um, there's myths over the atmosphere. There's people talking about, you know, obviously... <sighs> the closeness to the pitch and whatnot, but it seemed like you were one on Saturday. Yeah, as you know, I've been quite vocal on this over the last few few weeks and months and I think the fans turned up at the weekend. Um obviously the performance helps. The the particularly against the opposition that we were playing in Man United and yeah, I mean the fans were absolutely superb and I think but the, as I've always said, the fans got to be like that all the time. I, you know, I know I know the the performance helps and scoring after five minutes helps but I think you've got you've got you've got to give that sort of support you've got to stay towards the end you know you've got to be loud um, and then and then the results come and the performances come with it Sam yeah, I mean, like you say, I think, you know, the, it works in sync, doesn't it? You know, the performance and the fans and, you know, the fans were vocal on Saturday and, and so were the players in the way that they played, you know. They were, like I say, they were full of confidence up against a good Manchester United team who weren't quite so good on Saturday. But, um, no, I mean, I, th- I thought they were they were fantastic as well. And, you know, it just goes to show that, you know, despite all the 
you know the the disagreement over the London Stadium and and you know how it's not like Upton Park. No, it isn't. But there is potential for that to get a great atmosphere. One man that certainly played in some fabulous atmospheres is West Ham United legend Tony Gale. Good evening, Tony. Good evening, chaps. All right. Yeah, very well, thanks, pal. Tell us Saturday. You know, was that United being horrendously bad, or you know, have West Ham finally found the the formula? Uh, bit of both, really. I, I must say, I think um, got them at the best time, Manchester United. But we still got to have the performance, and the boys got a little bit of confidence from that Everton game, didn't they? Away from home, and then uh, obviously Chelsea at home, and Chelsea had a lot of the ball. But the good thing about the United performance was against the top team, we had a lot of the ball this time, which is a lot better sign in how he wants to play, Pellegrini. So that's what the boys have got to believe in. But I think at, at last, since the Everton game, they're playing in a three-man midfield, where three midfield players actually thicken it up there, then they, he has found the formula. And um, I'd just like to say... Like everybody comes to replace Mark Noble and every time someone is bought to replace him, Mark puts on a performance and then everybody goes, oh, Mark Noble's a good player. Yes, he is a good player, but you've got to give him some allies around him in midfield, which he's got now with young Beckland and uh, Obiang in good form as well. Tony, do you think that, uh, Sam asked me this question a minute ago, you know, we've got the likes of Wilshire and, and Lanzini sort of injured at the moment, waiting in the wings. With this midfield three playing the way it is now, um, where where does the likes of Lanzini, for instance, f- fit in once uh, once once he's back fit? Anywhere, he's our best player. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's absolutely superb, the little man. I think he's what I call old school. He's one of those players that gets on the ball, makes things happen. He can play in the three man midfield in place of maybe OBA, if you like. He could go in there. Uh, he could play off the left or the right of the front three. Um, he's better than Felipe Anderson, in my books. He's better uh Yarmolenko, he's better than him. And uh, obviously Arnie's up front, so he can't replace him. But he's so good, he could play anywhere. So if he comes back anywhere near his fitness, it's not about where can he play. It's, yeah, we play him, and we play the others around him as well. Tone, um, you know, Jose Mourinho was, you know, in heavy praise of Issa Diop at the end of the game, you know, a young French centre-half. Um, how good was the defence on Saturday? And now have we finally found a defensive unit that works after, you know, Reed's constantly injured and, you know, we've certainly lost a few in the likes of James Collins? Yeah, and Ogbon uh, has been replaced as well, hasn't he? I mm. still believe that the future is going to be Declan moving back into the back four and uh, providing they can sort out that contract with his Declan's probably going to be the Mark Noble type figure to take over when Mark maybe packs it in, he becomes captain and I believe he can lead from the back where his best position is I spoke to him the other week about it, I think I told you boys in, mm. uh, about him playing in midfield and I had a little chat with him and said oh, he's delighted he's moving his feet really quickly receiving the ball well, letting it run across his body when he needs to and when he goes in that back four it's going to be that much easier and you'll see a player Unlike others who can't bring it out, bring it out the back, and Declan will go a notch above everyone else. But um, temporarily, in midfield, he's doing really well. Those boys have done well, haven't they, Balbuena? And Diop. Diop's a little bit clumsy at times, but, you know, again, you've got to bear with someone being like that. And Balbuena as well. Made a couple of mistakes early on, but the longer they play together, the better they're going to get. 
but their insurance, of course, is Declan in front of him. Like the midfield two in front of him, Declan's the key. Yeah, that, a lot's been a lot's been said of Declan Rice in, in and I, I, was, I was talked to you, I spoke to you about him last week. And but in the week we also had sort of two or three other West Ham Academy products come through. Do, do you know much? What, what do you know of Grady and Dean Garner? And is is he a player that fans should be getting excited about already? Yeah, he's um, all I hear is from what of uh, the backroom stuff because you don't get to see these players really, do you? You know, you don't get to see them the sort of. You know, under 23 action is not as it was with reserve team football. You hardly get to see these players. So now and again, they get the odd outing. But um, I don't know if you'll get an outing now. Now we've drawn, drawn Spurs in the EFL Cup. Cool. I mean, um, I'd love to turn him over. And if we can turn him over, I don't think Pellegrini would quite understand. But I'd, leave, I'd like five minutes in a room with him just to say, look, if you brought a trophy to West Ham fans, the EFL Cup, for instance, you could be a hero for life. Don't worry about that. That would be more of a feat than winning the league with Manchester City. West Ham fans will never, ever forget you. I think that's a cup we could sort of maybe target because if you look at the other fixtures, they're playing each other. You know, we, we turn Spurs over, we've got a great chance. Yeah, I mean, I've always said that that's, that's one trophy we should be tar- we should be targeting every year. Um, I mean, it's probably been been well over sort of thirty, coming up to forty years since we last mm. won a trophy. So every year that should be our trophy. And Pellegrini's already won it twice with City. So you know we still do stand a chance, I think. Oh, without a doubt. Um, and I think I mean, I just caught the end of you there talking, boys, about the atmosphere. Um, EFL Cup normally not a lot of atmosphere, but I think it'll be round for the Spurs game. Mm. And if Spurs put out maybe. You know, not a second string, but they put decide to put maybe five or six players out, you know, because they're resting them up for Champions League or something like that. We've got a great opportunity, and also if we can raise the atmosphere, raise the bar of the stadium a little bit, which it's sort of getting there. It's not there yet. It's nowhere near the old place. But now and again, for the big games like Saturday, although that's an early kickoff, that's hard to raise it, isn't it? You know, if, it, if we get to a nice evening game. I think we could really raise the roof, especially Spurs, because, uh, as you know, we uh, we like to beat them, aren't we? <laughs> T- Tony, you know, should silverware be on the menu now? Should should it be a realistic, po- you know, a realistic aim for for Manuel Pellegrini? And obviously, you know, you got that London derby at the London Stadium, but should West Ham be taking this competition seriously and looking at it as as a pathway to maybe into Europe or just to win some silverware? I mean, 30, 40 years or whatever it was, again, I heard you speaking before and I go out speaking with the old boys, you know, when we we pick up you know, with the best league team in 85-86 when we narrowly missed the title. Then to go back to 1980, don't you? Bongo lifted it at 75. So, you know, yeah, we we a target of these trophies, especially that one. I think it's because they're played in the evening, apart from the final, of course, they're played in the evening, you get a better atmosphere, providing that you're putting first teams out in it, of course, which I believe he should do. And yeah, I think you're right, we've got to target it. And so, we beat Spurs, we've got an outstanding opportunity of winning that cup. And too many West Ham managers down the past years have, once we sort of got around a safety zone or whatever, they still haven't gone for the cup, and I can't believe it, and I think, it's there to take, you're, you know, you make yourselves names for the rest of your life. You know, it's not all about the money at times, it's what you achieve, isn't it? What silverware you get. And, you know, you boys know, 
we all don't have a day out. We ain't had a day out for ages, have we? Do you think it's been difficult, though, to concentrate on the cup competition since moving to the London Stadium? Because we've almost been dragged into a relegation battle for the last couple of seasons. Yeah, that's probably um, a good excuse. But the other 34 years is no excuse, isn't it? Is it? I don't <laughs> no. suppose. Mm. But, um, no, that, that, obviously, everybody looks at it like, oh, we've got our Premier League safety. And after all, that's the be all and end all. If you come out of that Premier League, it's double hard to get back. And of course, all the parachute money, you have to start, un- start unloading players. Then you get in awkward situations where you've got an overloading wage bill, you've got players on five year contracts, uh, on Premier League money, all kinds of problems. So I, I agree. Stay in the Premier League, but I can't see why not that we can't have a go at this League Cup or EFL Cup because I believe that, you know, there's probably at least six or seven teams worse than West Ham. There won't be any really Do you think that now we say that we should be targeting a, a League Cup or a Carabao Cup and with four games unbeaten in all competitions, do you think that expectations uh, have changed already after what what is a decent run of form and you know a, a potential cup run? Do you think we should be aiming a little bit higher now? Yeah, I mean the, the, the expectations were higher than that at the start of the season. But um, it was an awkward start, wasn't it? And then a lot of pressure got heaped onto the former from Wolves games because we had the difficult games in inverted commas against the top side. Blew the channel. All of a sudden, backs against the wall. And last time, I think we seven points. Then we come to a run of games where we out there. Might have a go. Got Spurs a couple of times to come up, haven't we? Mm. I just think it's... Uh, it's good times ahead and you know, where you can really gain maybe the respect and the trust of the fans at the moment for the manager because I think everybody's a little bit cautious at the moment, quite sure. He made the mistakes early on in the season, probably cost us those games because he picked poor sides. He should have known that you can't go with a two-man midfield against Bournemouth or Jack Wilshere and Mark Noble, but they completely outrun us in the second half and that's no slight on those boys because they're two good players. That they needed help in there. Mm. Tony, fabulous as ever from you. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. I mean, the line is, uh, is deteriorating somewhat there. And people like that, but he's he's just really a good player. Yeah, Steve Jones joining us there, former West Ham United striker on Love Sport Radio. He reckons the Rice is a, a better midfielder, but Tony Gale says he's better in defence. But where are we going with this debate, chaps? 
I was very much looking at him as more of a centre half before the United game, but I think he, re and maybe before Everton as well. I think you know over the last sort of two or three games, he's really, like I said earlier, taken to that centre midfield role like a duck to water. You know, he really has made it his own, and you know he's, he's really hard working, very composed on the ball for someone who's only 19. You know, I really like him on the ball, but he can play centre half as well. I, th I see him as a versatile player. It's a bonus that he can play both roles. Yeah. He's, he's impressed for us in both roles. Um, I think what's what's more impressive to me is that he played in that role on the opening day of the season and was hauled off at half time. But then to come back two or three games later and then still make that role your own after what would have been a huge confidence hit um, to be thrown in the deep end at Anfield and be hauled off within 45 minutes. But then to come back and, and play the way he is against the likes of Chelsea and, and United, Everton away. Um, I think it's so impressive for, for a 19-year-old to have that have that character, have that mental strength and, and the performance in him to go and continue improving, particularly with all the contract stuff that's going on in the background as well. I mean, that can't be easy to, to, to deal with. So, yeah, he's got a great future. I just hope hope we can get a, get a deal sorted with him. Yeah, that would be massive. Absolutely massive because he, he's a he's a player with huge potential and, I mean, he's already impressing us. He's, you know, like I say, for someone who's only 19, he's ever so relaxed when he's in possession, anywhere across the pitch, rarely gives the ball away. You know, he's got... You know, good head. You know, old head on young shoulders and all that. You know, because he, he's positionally very good as well. Um, you know, even when he plays centre half, you know, some of the interceptions that he makes, unbelievable. You know, he reads the game really well. So definitely, you know, he's got massive potential, and we need him um, signed up on a new deal. Definitely. I can see why the why the club are hesitant on the on the new contract though, because of yeah. what what happened with Reece Oxford. Yeah. Um, they gave him was it thirty grand a week after all that interest and just what five or six good performances and and then he just sort of disappeared into thin air didn't he, he ended up yeah. going out on loan to Reading and then Russian watching Gladbach and now he's what captain in the the twenty threes yeah. and really not without really a sniff of the first team so I can see why the club are hesitant but is a is a young player that, that seems to be improving with every game and I think the attitude the difference between attitude between Ari Sox with Deck and Rice is there for everyone to see and I think you know, I think they will find, hopefully come to an agreement Declan Rice in defence fine Declan Rice in midfield does he offer that sort of that help for Mark Noble I mean Tony mentioned in his conversation everyone talks about Mark Noble and goes oh well he's finished XYZ and you know when they bring someone in to replace him he does something good he does something brilliant he pulls the performance out of the bag and you know as Tony mentioned when you put the right person next to him the right generals to give him you know a bit of a hand he produces those performances have we found the right person the right four for Mark Noble in, in Declan Rice yes I think, I think we probably have you know like I say he's He's very good on the ball. He's very defensively disciplined as well because he can play centre-half. So, you know, he does read the game well. And I think, like I said earlier, it gives Mark Noble that licence to be a little bit more creative on the ball, to venture a bit further forward. And he is a creative player. You know, he is very good on the ball, Mark Noble. And, you know, that that's important um, for West Ham in the way that we attack, in the way that we go forward. You know, we need that creative outlet in the middle. Um, you know, with Declan Rice alongside Noble, it means Noble can be that man. Well, we just had a stat just put in front of us now. Declan Rice made 62 passes at 90% completion rate. Um, I think that says a lot about how well he's taken to that role and, and, and how well we can, he can continue in that role. And Mark Noble has been, you know, Mr. West Ham for so long, but we always knew he'd, he'd you know, he'd probably be on his way out of the team sooner rather than later. OK, he's playing brilliantly, but... West Ham fans and West Ham, you know, in general, have always loved the fact that we have homegrown talent in the team, and it's so nice to have Declan Rice to fall back on 
if, you know, when Mark Noble does. Is it, isn't this what it's all about, though, the academy of football? Bringing through those players? Well, it's been a while, isn't it? Yeah. I think we all thought it would be, you know, the next person would be Reese Oxford. Um, like James said, he, he sort of disappeared, um, you know, I think he put in a poor performance against Leicester and got bullied by Romelu Lukaku at Everton and sort of fizzled out of the first team after that. And, yeah, he's, he hasn't really worked his way back in. But I think Declan Rice is a lot more consistent than Reese Oxford. And there's certainly a lot more potential with Rice than there is with, with Reese. And, and, yeah, Reese is a good player, but I don't see him going as far in the game as Declan. I think, you know, Declan is a lot more mature from, from what I've seen so far. Joining us now on the line, well, backing his truck into... <laughs> Yeah, I love that. That is, It's become his signature theme. It's uh, Alan O'Brien from the Tactics Truck. So there you go. Uh, you, you back your truck right into us. And what you got on board for us? Because, I mean, it's been a hell of a weekend, hasn't it? It has. i got to be careful with the truck as well because they only have it on loan from Andy Townsend. So he'd be pretty annoyed <laughs> if I, uh, <laughs> if I uh, broke a headlight or whatever. Or a taillight even. That's it, pal. That's it. We're talking West Ham and Manchester United. I mean, go on, lead off, mate. I know you've been sharpening up uh, for this one. Lead it with me. Um, you know, wh- where do you start first? I mean, the brilliance of West Ham United or, or the sheer failings of Jose Mourinho? Yeah, well, let's be positive first because this is the West Ham fan show and acknowledge another fantastic performance from Manuel Pellegrini's West Ham United. I mean, I predicted last Monday on the show that he'd go with more of the same, the same 4-3-3 that secured such excellent results against Everton and Chelsea. And he did, but there was a twist because for 81 minutes of that game on Saturday afternoon, West Ham were the big team, as Manuel Pellegrini likes to say. They outpossessed and outpassed Manchester United for the majority of the game. They played in United's half for the majority of the game, played a completely different style of football than what they showed against Everton and Chelsea, where they mainly focused on the counter-attack. And that's very encouraging, because we know, we discussed it last week, that Pellegrini wants uh, his teams to play as the protagonists, to dominate possession and dominate games. And although Jose Mourinho massively played into his hands that was the first sign that maybe this West Ham squad can do that. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was it was a great performance from from West Ham, and you know, Alan, I think a lot of people are talking about this four three three formation, the midfield trio. How good is it when you compare it to other Premier League midfields? How good is it? Well, I think it's a very balanced one. I'm not sure how, how exactly how it stacks up yet against other midfields because we're only three games into that uh, configuration so far. But but I like the balance to it. You know, you've got Declan Rice there at the base of the trio who has, you know, a lot of very important attributes for that number six position. Not only does he read the game well and make a lot of interceptions, his distribution is incredibly good as well. And we saw that on Saturday afternoon where Anthony Martial just completely abrogated his responsibility, failed to pick Declan Rice up, and he was able to recycle possession and keep West Ham on the front foot for the entire game. And then you have Pedro Obiang to his left, a player who allegedly wanted out in the summer. And I'm not sure West Ham were overly keen to keep him. It was kind of between him and Kuyate in terms of who they let go and they ultimately let Kuyate go. But he's been fantastic because, you know, he's your ball winner. And he's also very good on the ball as well. I think a lot of people underrate that quality he has. And then finally to Declan Rice's right, you have Captain Fantastic, the blogger himself, Mark Noble who has now been allowed to do what he does best, which is to pick those passes into the final third. His lack of energy, his lack of mobility is covered by the other two players in with him. 
and he's allowed to just focus on being that playmaker and we saw it very much on Saturday afternoon. Alan, do you see the return of the likes of Jack Wilshere or even Manuel Lanzini in the new year when he when he's finally back? Do you see the introduction of either one of those two in that midfield three potentially sort of upset the balance a little bit and what Pellegrini's sort of um, developed so far? It's difficult because, you know, James, for me... If one of those two were to come in uh, in the central area, I think it would have to be Mark Noble to drop out because I don't think West Ham could afford to play Noble and one of Wilshire and Lanzini in a central midfield three. I think you'd probably agree with that. Uh, obviously, there's great potential for Lanzini to, to assume a left wing role similar to the one Dimitri Payet once uh, performed uh, in, in days gone by. Um, you know, he, he could slot in there. But as for Jack Wilshire, you know, I said it when he signed that I thought it was a very, very poor signing, a player that's on the wane, and I think that's been borne out already. He's injured again, and uh, I, I don't really see a way in for him, and I, I do agree. I think if he was to be in re- reincorporated, it would upset the balance of that central midfield, which does look good now. But, Al, you know, looking at the United lineup, I mean, when you, you, you took a look at it, Saturday morning did you anticipate it to be a back three with McTominay in it did you expect it to be a 4-3-1-2 a 4-3-3 how you know negative were United to to allow West Ham to have that much time and space on the ball yeah I did expect it to be a diamond with McTominay in in midfield and and a front two with um, Pogba maybe in the number 10 position I did not expect Jose Mourinho to play a central midfielder McTominay in a back five for the second time this season he also did it against Tottenham when he played under Herrera in there and and much like uh, Herrera's performance McTominay was completely all at sea in an unfamiliar position despite the praise Mourinho gave him afterwards he was at fault for all three goals at least partly he wasn't in line with his fellow four defenders for the first goal, uh, for the second goal. Anderson and Arnautovic played around him and forced Ashley Young to concede the corner. And for the third goal, uh, he left a massive gap between himself and Chris Smalling that Mark Noble bisected for Arnautovic. So he, he had a complete nightmare. Uh, the fact that Mourinho left him on in a back four when he made the change of shape in the second half and took off Lindelof was absolutely appalling and led to that third West Ham goal. Um, as for your second point, Darren, the, the lack of pressure for Man United, that to me was the most shocking thing of all. And I mentioned that earlier when I said that they played into Pellegrini's hands. They, they made his you know, more positive possession-based style look good because Man United, would you believe, as a collective, only attempted three tackles in the entire first half. They were unbelievably passive. They sat off West Ham. I mentioned how much space Declan Rice had to recycle possession they just they didn't apply pressure in any area of the pitch whatsoever Mark Noble Paul Pogba didn't get anywhere near him uh, for example and it was shocking I mean if you saw the stats of the 16 teams who played on Saturday Man United made only 59 sprints by far the lowest of any side Uh, I mean Robert Snodgrass made 5 alone which was more than any other United player apart from Luke Shaw. I mean, are we getting into a realm here where we have players who, first of all, don't know what their manager expects of them because they clearly didn't know how to implement that shape, that 5-3-2 shape. And second of all, maybe we have a group of players that aren't playing for their manager anymore. Yeah, I think that's evident, James. Yeah, Alan, obviously, uh, as Aaron said, everyone expected Matonamay to be to be in the midfield and... It very very quickly re- everyone very quickly realised that he wasn't he was playing in a back five 
Uh, do you think that, although you know it didn't look that evident that Pellegrini had tweaked the system in play and told the sort of instructed the players to to maybe play a different way after learning that that was how uh, Mourinho had lined up? Uh, do you think that there will have been a, a slight tweak from Pellegrini and, and his players within two, you know, within two or three minutes, having realised that that was how Mourinho had lined up? I would have thought that was a possibility because of the fact that obviously that would have allowed a lot of space for West Ham's fullbacks to advance. You know, if the realisation that United are playing a five-three-two means that United don't have wingers, which means that Sabaleta and Masuaka would have space to advance into. So perhaps, you know, that did enter my mind. But when I heard Pellegrini's interview on Match of the Day on Saturday night, uh, it was quite clear from his words that he did intend a change of approach. You know, he was very vehement that, you know, we wanted to show today that we could play as the big team, quote-unquote. How how good have West Ham's front three been um, in the last few games? Obviously, you know, Yarmolenko took a while to come back from fitness. But, you know, is that front three going to, you know, dominate teams sort of throughout this season if they all stay fit? Obviously, Anderson, Arnautovic and Yarmolenko, because on paper it looks very good. It does, doesn't it, Sam? Very, very quick, particularly. I mean, Arnautovic is probably one of the best strikers in the division at, at running the channels and, and dragging centre-backs into wide areas where they don't want to be in. That's some statement, given that he's only converted to that number nine role in the last year, thanks to the great David Moyes, if you remember. Yeah. He um, he reimagined him as a striker, uh, and uh, after he got the winner against Chelsea, David Moyes' first game there 12 months ago, and the rest is history. But, uh, yeah, I think he's the, he's the second player in the league. I can't remember who's ahead of him for uh, direct involvement in goals since he was converted to a striker, Arnautovic. There's only one player ahead of him. Mo Salah. Mo Salah. It's Mo Salah, of course it is. The off-colour and and out-of-form Mo Salah, who didn't exactly impress against Chelsea on Saturday. So, yeah, Arnautovic is fantastic if you can keep him fit. I believe he played through the pain barrier uh, against Man United. He was told by the doctor not to play, thanks to a knee injury, but he did anyway. If you look at the two players around them, they also share similar characteristics, Felipe Anderson and um, Andrei Yarmolenko. Although I have, I have doubts about the latter. I think he's uh, somewhat one-dimensional. I mentioned before on the show that he's a bit like a cut-price Aryan Robin. You know what he's going to do. He's going to cut in on that left foot. And a lot of defenders, poor defenders, have allowed him to do so so far this season. Um, but, you know, you might find his, his end product might end up like the other cut-price Aryan Robin, Andros Townsend, before long when players figure him out and show him down the outside. But, um, yeah, no, it, it is a great front three um, in Totem. And it's, it's, a real, it's a real threat for teams when, when West Ham play on the counter-attack. I, know Man, I, I hate to beat this drum again, but I know Manuel Pellegrini wants to dominate and, and be a possession-hogging side. But, Jesus, when you have a front three like that, you know, isn't it very tempting to, to sit off and, and hit teams in behind? Does that front three lose a little bit of bite if, for instance, Arnautovic does have to sit out more games. We, we missed him against Chelsea, Chelsea, but if someone like Hernandez comes in, does it does, does it lose a little bit of bite, do you think, Alan? I wonder, yeah. I wonder how Hernandez would fare uh, as, as a lone number nine in, in this system. I think uh, Hernandez actually has a better general play game than people give him credit for, which he showed um, during the World Cup for Mexico. He's actually a decent little false nine, you know. He can drop off and um, and make the play more so than than people think. Uh, so I, I don't think West Ham would necessarily lose much with him in that role. Would you believe? 
Uh, Antonio played up front against Chelsea and look, we all know he has his talents. He's very good in the air um, and obviously he had a good stint at right back there uh, in the last couple of years when needed. But, um, you know, his physical attributes aside, technically he's a fraction of the player that Marco Arnautovic is. And we saw it. He got two clear-cut chances against Chelsea on the break and, and fluffed both of them. The second one in particular was a huge chance. So, yeah, you got to keep that Austrian fit. The Austrian that Jose Mourinho once said had the mind of a child. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jose Mourinho was the one with the mind of a child on Saturday, believe me. So. Uh, one player we haven't mentioned on the show, rather surprisingly, is Lucas Fabianski. I mean, yeah. an inc- another incredible performance against Man United. The save from Fellaini's header was outstanding. Um, are people giving him enough credit? Because, I mean, he's kept us in plenty of games and it could have been a different story had that Fellaini header gone in. Yeah, you're, you're right, Sam. I, I think that's something that people myself included, don't do enough of is, is to credit the goalkeepers. I mean, you know, we're, we're very quick to criticise players and they miss chances. You know, I criticised Willian and Eden Hazard on Saturday afternoon for, for failing to wrap up the game against Liverpool for Chelsea. But in that instance, you know, it, it was two great saves by Alisson. And we saw the same here for West Ham, even though they were clear winners and deserved winners against Manchester United. Lucas Fabianski once again came up trumps for them. Fantastic save from that Marouane Fellaini header. And, you know, he, he made a, I think he made a couple of very good saves in the Everton game as well, if I'm not mistaken, which was yeah. uh, another 3-1 victory. And I'm going to put this to you, lads, and you can agree or disagree. I won't take offence, I promise. <laughs> I think he is second to David De Gea in terms of Premier League shot stoppers. Just pure shot stopping. What do you think? Uh, interesting point. Um, I mean, I think he's been our signing of the signing of the summer. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to have. It's nice to have a goalkeeper that you know you can you don't have to worry about. You can, we can trust a goalkeeper for it's the first time I would say probably since Jeskalainen at West Ham. Um, mm. But I mean, as a shot stopper, I mean, I, 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 not to, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't think he's far off being, no. being second to to Dyer. No, I mean, I really, I really I've, you know, he really impressed me whilst at Swansea City, you know, when I saw him in, you know, a few games for them, um, you know, an excellent goalkeeper, really, really happy that we signed him, and I'm even more so um, with, his, with the performances he's been putting in at the start of this season. I mean, you know, we all know Adrian's, you know, a good shot stopper himself, um, you know, I still think Fabianski um, himself, you know, is, is obviously better than Adrian based on the performances so far this season. Um, but just to think as well, some of the money that other Premier League clubs are spending on goalkeepers, and we bought Fabianski for just eight million pounds. Yeah, absolute <laughs> bargain, wasn't it? Alan, do you know what they'd uh, they call you on the streets, mate? They call you different gravy. You have been absolutely top-notch, as usual. Alan O'Brien speeding off there in his uh, tactic. Struck down wire, the diesel invoice I hear is in the post. So let's talk expectations. Um, have expectations changed for West Ham United? You know, the new sort of uplift in form, the, the, um, the, the you know, the difference in, in, in how West Ham are playing now. I mean, it's changed so, so quick. If you think about it, a couple of weeks ago, we're sitting there going, where is the first win going to come from? You know, where are the points going to come from? Where are the goals going to come from? Now you're thinking, hey, you know what? Where are West Ham? Uh, what are West Ham aiming for this season? Mm. Do they want to get into those Europa League places? Should they be challenging just to stay above water? Should it be 10th? Where should it be? I mean, I'm 
like James, I'd like a good cup run. I think that's something that obviously we haven't done in a while. Um, got to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup in our last season at the Bowling. I don't think we got further than that really, or as far as that in the last sort of five, six years. Um, not since we got to the FA Cup final and lost to Liverpool. So, yeah, I mean, a cup run would be nice, but I think realistically for what we actually would be aiming for is probably a top half finish, um, although a cup run would be nice. Yeah, I said at the beginning of the season, bef- uh, before ball was even kicked, that it's uh, perhaps I think what West Ham have been guilty of in the past is trying to run before we can walk a little bit and you know make a couple of good signings and everyone expects us to to be challenging and after that really good season the last year at the bowling where we were four points off the top four we all went into that first season at London Stadium expecting big things and it didn't work out so I thought you know okay we've, we've spent 100 million quid and we've got Pellegrini as our manager now but we, we you know we can't really expect big things and I said mid-table would be, be just about right even 12th would have been would have been quite acceptable and I think that's probably the same I think a lot of fans might be, might have looked at the last couple of performances and maybe thinking perhaps we can push for Europa, Europa League spot again maybe that's you know, over-egging it a little bit but a cut run as Sam said and as we were saying earlier cut run's got to be priority given Pellegrini's Pellegrini's you know pedigree in that competition the league cup won it twice a cup run or winning a trophy because a cup run is a case of getting to the semi-finals and bowing yeah. out yeah it's true it's true if you get you got you got want to win a trophy haven't you yeah but I think what, what we've been deprived of in, in so many years is just we, we, we tend to always go out in the early rounds and you know, the last few years we've drawn like Man City in the third round and you know, I stick four or five past you, and that's your FA Cup run over for for the for, you know, for a year. So I think we should be looking to take particularly the Carabao Cup a little bit seriously. If we can win it, then fantastic. And as Tony Gale said earlier, Pellegrini can win us a trophy. You know, be a hero. He will be. I mean, what was the last time West Ham won? 1980. But 1980. I, I always say, well, we did win the Intertoto Cup in 99. But you only get a certificate for that. Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's better than nothing. And we've won two player finals. So, you know... We've got to count them. We don't win much, so... There you go. And, I mean, you know, you asked the question, I think it was about Manuel Lanzini to Tony Gale. You know, where does he slot in for you guys? Where does Wilshire come into? Where does Lanzini come into? Hernandez, Andy Carroll, Winston Reid, where do they come into? Obviously, you know, we've seen Balbuena and Diop build this sort of partnership. And what was it Jose Mourinho said? I want to congratulate the scout that found mm. Diop. Yeah. I couldn't ever think that that was a bit of a, bit of a dig at his own recruitment. Oh, yeah, of though. course, of course. Because obviously his feelings towards his, his own centre-backs... I mean, I'd, I'd give you Smalling, Jones, whoever you want for Diop right now, to be fair. But, no, you're right. You know, <laughs> you, you know he's, he's managed to find that combination. Where does Winston Reid slot in? Well, this is the big question. No one really knows, you know, Lanzini aside, all the other players that are out injured and waiting to come back, no one really knows where they're going to fit in. Um, Winston Reid's a good defender on his day, but he's had his injury problems. Um, Will Shear, well, we all, know, we all know about him. And... Uh, I, you know, I Andy Carroll is a good option off the bench. I think he always will be, but you know, he's not really a Pellegrini player, is he? So I, I don't really know where, where they all, you know, where they all fit in. No, I mean, is this another testament to Pellegrini? Because with all these players injured, I mean, we don't really notice them because he's got the the, the eleven that he's got, and obviously the, the subs that he has playing so well. Mm. Yeah, no, I, no, I agree. Um, I mean, I, I completely forgot we had Andy Carroll. Completely <laughs> <laughs> forgot, and I love the man. I think on his day he's absolutely superb. Yeah, it's, it's such a shame that his West Ham career has gone the way it has because the guy's got so much potential. Um, and he'll, he'll probably leave next. I think in his last coming up to his last six months of his contract, so he'll probably be on his way out. Um, but you know, the, Winston Reid again is another player that you know you, you almost forget we've got, and that guy's like it, 
you know his name's been etched into our history after scoring the last goal at the, at, at the bowling and and everyone's like well don't really care about him anymore because we've got Balbuena and Dio <laughs> um, which is it's a really strange position to be in I think yeah, I mean, he's been our number one centre-half, hasn't he, for a number of years now. And it's, it's sort of difficult now looking at that and, and, and him maybe not even making our first team with the form of Diop and, and Balbuena. You know, it is, it's, it's very difficult. Um, but, you know, I mean, other players as well who, who perhaps would have been utilised as, you know, a versatile player perhaps last season, someone like Eddie Milson Fernandes, mm. probably right now wouldn't even make the bench. I, mean, I think it just goes to show how mm. far this squad's come over the summer with the players that he's brought in. There's not only a good first eleven, but there's great squad depth yeah well, we saw that against Macclesfield didn't we That you know, yeah. he, he played a strong team and Carlos yeah, Sanchez well, came in bless him I feel a bit sorry for Carlos <laughs> <laughs> I feel a bit sorry but there's been no official confirmation on the club for, for that injury no, um, I mean Alavich held up the shirt and I was thinking well, is he out for a really long time then because well, we, there, there were rumours going around that it, it was season ending it was, a, it was a bad knee injury but there's mm. been nothing and then and I just thought well you know anyone can say that and it can yeah. spread and then suddenly I announced it's held up the shirt and it was like okay well maybe this is quite serious I mean you wouldn't hold up a shirt if it wasn't that Unless serious it's a yeah. grand wind up so well maybe maybe but it, it does seem as though we probably have seen the last of Carlos Sanchez already which is yeah. which is a shame that is a still be remembered for that mistake certainly is a shame I mean yeah the squad depth is is absolutely top notch but again you know play, players like Dan Garner where, where do they fit into it you know how does Pellegrini find the balance between the academy the players he's brought in I mean look it seems like if you look back at those signings actually in fact, let's change it if you if you look back at those signings have all of them bedded in properly uh, yeah I think so maybe Lucas Perez aside. I was a bit sort of shaky over Diop and Balbuena when you buy two centre-halves completely mm. and you you bring them yeah. together I get really shaky over that well, he, he bedded them in slowly Bonner started the first two or three games didn't he yeah. alongside Balbuena and then he brought Diop in alongside uh, uh, did he bring, was Diop alongside Bonner? I can't remember what he's done I think now. he might have been for the Wolves he, ch- he changed it a lot didn't he yeah but Bonner's another one. You know, where does he where does yeah. he fit in now? I think I think Balbuena and Diop have been absolutely brilliant, like fantastic together. Um, I'm particularly impressed with Balbuena. I think he's, he's a real solid centre half. But the, the youngsters that you that you mentioned before, just just give them you know little five minutes here and there. Um, we all agreed that at three one, me and my mates sitting there going, bring Dean Garner on now. He might as well. The game's done, and he did. And you know. I think if you can do that, give give players a little taste of first team football, then they only they only end up improving. Forget the young uns. What about the old ones? Zabaleta was different class again. Love him. I just I, I can't say say enough good things about. Did him. he raise his game because it's Man United? Potentially, potentially. I think I think it's just that the, the guy just doesn't stop running. How old is he? Thirty five, and he's still got legs like a twenty one year old. I mean, it was it was quite sort of concerning to see him absolutely attacking United down that flank going for it every single time and when he gets the ball past the fullback you're thinking now nah, mate you haven't got the pace to get it in but it's the quality of the delivery yeah. that separates him from everyone else and will separate him from that fullback because forget the pace he can take a touch and he can whip a ball in and I mean the ball in for Anderson granted you know there might have been an offside or something but no one picked it up mm. Mourinho's going to go and blame VAR because he's got the opportunity to you know what pal it was a brilliant goal wasn't it and the best the best thing about that goal for me was the ball was on its way out off the top and Zabaleta you know was, was busting the guts just to keep the ball in play 
yeah. kicks the ball in play, then makes a run for Noble to play him through, and he, he's got an assist, and he's, he's been like that for ever since we signed him two summers ago. Just doesn't give up. He's, his experience in the team is telling when he's making important tackles. He's, he's never out of position, um, and even at his age, you know, you can see why he's he's getting the team over Frederick. Yeah, I think as well. There's there's a, a much better shape about West Ham. You know, I never really thought he suited the the wing back position um, because of how much he had to get up and down, up and down. And obviously he's got support in someone like Yarmolenko, who and they sort of can sort of work together. And certainly with the midfield three as well, often one of them will sort of force themselves out wide to give Zabaleta support. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I say, you know, he is he is keeping Fredericks out of the team and, and justified as well. Um, I don't think Fredericks was was fantastic against Liverpool, and and after that as well, I think you know certainly Zabaleta deserved to to be given a chance, and he, you know he's doing really well with that. You know he's putting in great performances, and yeah, I mean he's an excellent fullback. You know he, he is aging, but he's, he's still putting in the performances and there's, you know, there's nothing really else you can you can say about his age when he's doing that on the other side though big question I'm going to put this to you now is who do you prefer is, Masu- is Masuaku stay in the team or would you prefer Creswell I, p- I prefer Masuaku I-, I think he's he's v- obviously very good going forward I think a lot of people actually more more so fancied him as a left midfielder last season because of how well he did going forward in that left wing back role um, but I-, I do prefer him to Aaron Creswell last season I'd have said the opposite by the mm. way I would have said Creswell over Masuaku but I think Masuaku has been fantastic this season and I always feel as though Creswell has got a mistake in him defensively he always seems to get caught out whereas Masuaku has got the physicality and, and the pace to if he does make a mistake you know get back and, and make sure he's in the right position to, to make amends for that and like I say he's very good on the ball very good going forward at the moment I prefer Masuaku but again it's more def- it's more cover that we've got in that when Masuaku if and when he gets injured um, you know Cresswell can step in it's another position where we have squad depth I mean I've always been a fan of Aaron Cresswell I think he, he he was quality and I was one I think it was back in 2016 I was I was you know crying for him to go to the Euros because I thought he was absolutely phenomenal especially in that last season at the mm. at the bowling ground he was he was different class James where do you see it being or where, where, where has it changed across well, he, well? he did pick up a, quite a serious injury in pre-season was it two two summers ago I think yeah I think that's why we bought Masawaki, wasn't it, initially? Yeah, and uh, ever since then, he spent six, maybe four or five, maybe six months out, and he, he came back, and he's, ne- he's not been the same since. He's not been, he's not been that same threat from set pieces. He's not, he's not really got forward as often. I've noticed that when he did came back, he was, you know, very hesitant in the tackle. Um, I think he might have just sort of knocked his confidence a little bit and after then Masuaku's come in and he, he's playing really well and he struggled to get back in the team yeah I agree I think as well with Aaron Cresswell because he now has competition at left back because I think when he f- was first brought in at West Ham he was number one left back no question there wasn't mm. really anyone challenging him um, but now there is and I think he is he is shy of confidence and he's having to work doubly hard to, to try and get in front of Masuaku who's playing really well and you know it's a difficult task um, you know with Cresswell you know he, we know his qualities, you know, we we know he can cross the ball. Um, you know, we know he is good on the ball, but um, at the moment, Masawaku is is edging ahead of him because of his performances, and it's making it very difficult for Cresswell to work his way back into his team, which is going to hamper his confidence even more. I'd have thought. I mean, there are a lot of players in in, in the squad that are a lot. Of that I mean, Antonio is is in a very similar position where he was first name on the team sheet for a long time and seems to have with injuries. Has, has lost his place and is now having to rely on the likes of Arnautovic to be injured or coming on as a substitute. Yeah, exactly. An- another player who, who you know, 
in his first season or so at West Ham did really well but you know with this extra added competition with the squad depth it's making things very difficult for him you know and, and especially when a player gets injured and a player comes into cover and then does really well it, you know it's, it's tough for, for players like Antonio to then get back that, get back into the first team and you know I mean he, he did alright against Chelsea didn't he? he he did his job he was mm. physical he, he tried to hold up the ball as good as possible um, but he's not an Arnautovic is he you know he doesn't have that added threat in that he can get in behind and, and he will finish you know, obviously he missed a good chance against Chelsea one of which Arnautovic perhaps might have finished himself so you know he isn't he isn't a Marco Arnautovic and you know that, that that's the issue these players have is that you know they're going to have to try and take their chance when they come but they're going to have to wait patiently until then Mm. Yeah, they certainly are elsewhere, and there, there's other you know players in that squad. I mean, you know, going going back to the left back issue, I've really just never been a fan of Masuaku, especially since that incident at the FA Cup, the spitting thing. You just look at it; it, no. it, it, it tarnishes you, doesn't it? Somewhat. It does. Um, he got a lot of stick from West Ham fans for that, um, and rightly so. You know, you shouldn't, shouldn't be doing that. There's no excuse for that. Um, but. He has improved as a footballer ever since he signed for us. Um, I think, I mean, he's got great feet, very, very quick feet. Mm. And, yeah, you know, I think perhaps if he could slightly improve his, his def- the defensive side of his game, then I think he'd be, you know, he'd be some player. I think, you know, he's good going forward, but there have been times where I felt as if defensively he has been lacking at times. Yeah, I don't think he's quite as... Um switched on defensively as other left backs in the Premier League I think is very much his attributes going forward is why is what is keeping him in the team um, but I think at the same time that was perhaps similar with Aaron Cresswell I don't think you know neither left back is a, is a solid defender you know when, when you compare them to someone like Zabaleta mm. I don't think they're that solid full back who won't let you know the winger beat them you know sort of nine times out of ten they will get beaten and and you know they will be will get caught out you know a number of times I've seen Cresswell play left back and the ball gets played down the channel and he gets caught out and it's the same with Masuaku as well I think you know both team both players are, um, are good on the ball um, but their defensive qualities you know are slightly lacking but you know I, I agree with what you said Masuaku's gone from strength to strength since joining West Ham um, you know that spitting incident you know wasn't ideal at, at Wigan last season but you know he's he's a great footballer and he deserves his place in the team. Let's look ahead to the game with Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, obviously, European football midweek. Uh, West Ham and Brighton both not involved. Uh, this one, however, is uh, is I was just about to say, I, I can't actually find it on my uh, on my roster. Friday night Friday night, night yeah. FNF there you go that's why not involved in European football I thought it was the Monday night it is the Friday night 8 o'clock kickoff fan of a Friday night kickoff yeah I don't mind them no yeah I mean kicks off the weekend quite nicely especially if West Ham are playing and hopefully it'll be three points as yeah. well to kick off the hopefully, weekend yeah. anyone going I'm not I'm going to a wedding Friday night in South End I've just given them that face of just like what yeah I got married on a Friday, so I mean I can't really have a go at them for it. Fair play, Sam. <laughs> I won't be now, unfortunately. No, going to try and uh, going to try and catch it on TV. I will do. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do you make of Brighton so far this season? You know, I I thought with their recruitment and whatnot that they would be sort of sucked into that relegation battle. Of course, Newcastle, Cardiff, and Huddersfield all on two points. Brighton on five points. West Ham just above them in fourteenth on seven points. But you know, I mean, how do you see them? so far this season what do you think they've been like you know how, what's your assessment of them I haven't I haven't seen much of them uh, I did watch them again in that in their win against Man United and I thought they were very impressive then I think they're, they're going to have to rely heavily on their home form 
Glenn Murray's very important to them. But I mean, it's a difficult one because I mean the quality of their squad, as you said, you know, isn't great. The, the recruitment was questionable in, in, in places. I think that they will be in a relegation battle, but you know, if they can keep Glen Murray firing and keep a decent home record, which we know they're quite good at home, then they've got half a chance of staying up, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, I, I have fears of them almost being a bit of a bogey team, um, having beaten us twice last season. Um, but, you know, on paper, we, sh- we should be going there and putting in a good performance and, and coming away with a win, really, or at the very least a point. You know, Brighton are very good at home. You know, they have beaten teams at home, such as United. Um, and certainly last season, their form at home was, was very, very good. So it is a it is a you know a potential difficult game. Um, you know they they have good players. You mentioned you know Glenn Murray very very important for them. Um, you know Matt Ryan very good goalkeeper. I think they are set up quite well under Chris Hughes and I like him as a manager. And I, I don't think it'll be as easy as as people make it out to be. I, I don't think we're going to go there and, and absolutely turn them over. I think we should win really. Um, you know having beaten Manchester United. However, it won't be easy. Yeah, I think that's that's the danger now, isn't it that the players don't get too complacent going into a game like this having you know three three really good results um you know the, the win at everton was was a shot result you know i mean they they're pretty much a bogey team as well aren't they so yeah especially away um perhaps perhaps there is that new mentality at the, at the football club that's going to going to put an end to these these silly little bogey teams that we come up against um but it's it's complacency i'm worried about you know, it was such a great performance. There's been a lot of praise on West Ham and a lot of the players since that Man United game, even the Chelsea game. And you know, if we can go there, you know, respect respect Brighton, but you know, still play our game and and and, and take it to them like we like we've seen already. Then I, I fancy to get the three points. Yeah, for me, teams like Brighton, teams like Newcastle and Everton, teams who we've you know slipped up against in the past. I think this season we can really go there and and prove what we are all about this season. You know, we are on the back of three really good performances, and there's no reason as to why we shouldn't make it four. You know, Brighton obviously you know looking to try and pick up a bit of consistency in the early part of this season. We found consistency now, so it feels, and you know we need to go there and, and put in another good performance because if we're on top of our game, Brighton shouldn't stand a chance. I think I think it does it. As Pellegrini said, you know he wants he wants to see us play like a big team, and I think yeah. if we go there and play like a big team, like we did against Man United, then then we should get the job done. I think you know it's that mentality that I, I like to see from our manager um, and him actually instilling that and it actually working and coming across to those players. I'd really like to see us this season dominate a game from start to finish, showcase you know what the top you know seven eight teams in the Premier League can do you know sort of week in week out when they're on top of their game you know I, I, a few times last season obviously you know we beat Southampton 3-0 picked up you know some some good wins last season especially at home but a game where we just dominate from start to finish you know, not, not 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 that it's easy but that it is you know more or less comfortable you know for 90 minutes in that you know we we score goals you know win like a 3-0 or 4-0 in that and that it's very comfortable. Maybe not away at Brighton. I think that'll be quite difficult to do it away from home. But you know, I'm, I'm waiting for that performance now with the, with the squad that we've got and the setup we have under Pellegrini. I think that's we're more than capable of doing that to a few teams at home this season. You know, turning them over. You know, not, not five or six, but you know, putting in a really confident, uh, complete performance. Mm. But how do, how do you approach this one in terms of lineup formation? Do you keep? Is it, is it a case of if it ain't broke, don't fix it, Pellegrini? Yeah, I, yeah. I think so. I, I don't see any reason why he should feel the need to change it. Um, you know, I'd hope that Arnautovic is fine after that game. Obviously, having played partly injured, because um, we will miss him if he's not in the team. But yeah, I mean, 
the system's working, the players you know, are working very hard for each other. We've picked up some decent wins, there's no reason to change it, I feel. I think we've already learned from Pellegrini as well that he's very stubborn, he won't change it. No. Um, I think even if we'd have lost two or three of those last three games, uh, or what, sorry, one or two of them, then I, I still don't think he'd, he'd be willing to change it. He's a very stubborn manager, believes in his methods, believes in his, his tactics, and you know, I think he'll continue with that 11. Yeah, and, and, and in terms of then, how do you isolate a threat like Glenn Murray? Obviously, you know, he's getting on. <laughs> Let's be fair. I mean, yeah. the guy, the guy's in the twilight of his career, but he's still uh, an absolutely phenomenal marksman, isn't he? He really, really gets them going, uh, you know, from the front. But they've also got some other decent players in there. I look at, you know, um, players like Solly March, who's, who's a very, very good midfielder. Jahan Baksh is, is good off the bench. You know, they, they've got decent players all the way throughout Brighton and Nova Albion but you know someone like Glenn Murray is it a case of just just man marking him out of the game and ensuring he doesn't get the space to literally turn and shoot because that's all he needs he doesn't need pace he doesn't need trickery he needs the opportunity to just get on the ball and fire one at goal and that's it I think Val Benner or Diop will, will be told to do a job on him they've you know in the last two uh, two games they've kept out they've kept Giroud quiet They've kept Lukaku quiet, and that's no mean feat at West Ham, given that he loves a goal against yeah. us. Um, and you know they limited Everton just to one goal, even with you know the likes of Cenk Tosin, who, who I know he's in, got had a bit of a gold goal drought, and Calvert Lewin, and, and and you know the likes that they've shown that they can keep those sort of players quiet. So Glenn Murray, you know, shouldn't be a problem for those you know on the back of keeping those uh, strikers quiet, but. You never know what's going to happen on the day, do you? Really, it's they could win a penalty. I mean, a lot of his goals have been penalties, haven't they? I mean, they could win mm. a penalty, and that's it. He's at the back of the net. But I think, I think that they'll, you know, they're good enough to be able to keep him quiet. Yeah, you'd have thought so. I mean, one player who who has turned up for them against us last season is Pascal Gross. You know, I think we definitely oh, yeah, need to keep course. him quiet in the midfield as well because he's, you know, he does make them tick from the centre. So, but with the midfield three that we've got, I mean, they've been. You know, you compared um, Glenn Murray to Lukaku. I mean, compare someone like Pascal Gross to Paul Pogba and, and Nemanja Matic. I mean, we kept them quiet on Saturday. There's no reason why we shouldn't keep Pascal Gross quiet. It's a case of just keeping the mentality going. Uh, and not, like, like James said, not getting complacent. If we're not complacent and we're keeping it up, then we, you know Brighton shouldn't really be a problem. We'll carry on looking at uh, the stats, the form guides ahead of that one. Brighton and Hove Albion versus West Ham United. It's Friday night. It's an 8 o'clock kickoff. Yeah, it's your West Ham fan show on Love Sport Radio. We're just looking ahead to the uh, fixture against Brighton Friday night. Just take a look at some of the stats. Brighton, their last six, uh, they have four defeats and two draws out of the last six. West Ham in form, four wins, a draw and a loss at home to Wolves. Looking ahead to the uh, the main stats, though, and and two teams in sort of similar veins of form if you like both of them uh with 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 plenty in terms of uh, in terms of the 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 actual stats the standings don't really lie west ham in at 14th brighton in at 15th in attack they've both scored eight goals west ham have had more shots on target with a higher shooting accuracy and a but a lower conversion rate a lower conversion rate 
More assists as well from West Ham United in defence. West Ham have conceded one goal less. Uh, Brighton haven't kept a clean sheet so far this season. West Ham have faced 44 shots to Brighton's 41. West Ham have face more tackles and have a, a, a but I still have a lower tackle success rate of 55% to Brighton's 56.80% and the one I hate the most duels duels do you what? like that one why do you hate duels because I just don't understand like how do you define a duel is it just aerial or but well, there you go <laughs> I'm talking about aerial I'm talking about sword fighting I'm talking about everything <laughs> like what is a duel what what consists well, of a duel is it not just like a 50-50 second ball sort of thing potentially well West Ham have, have faced 394 of them or they've won 52.3 percent of them Brighton 339 and they've won 47.3 of them let's look back at some of the uh, previous fixtures between this two of course the game in the Premier League Brighton beating West Ham United by three goals to one back in February would you remember that one great goal from Chicharito in that game yeah it was yeah great footballing move and great finish but yeah, it was just typical West Ham at that stage of the season, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, cracking goal from Izquierdo, I remember, as well. Yes. Um, from Brighton. Um, decent finish from Gross as well. I think he scored that day. So, so yeah. did Murray open the scoring. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Brighton turned up that day and, and we didn't, despite a, a good goal from Hernandez. And, and that was our problem in both games against Brighton last season. We didn't turn up and they did. It was as simple as that, um, you know, which is, you know, why we're saying we shouldn't get complacent despite our recent results. Murray and Izquierdo were the scorers at the London Stadium as well, where Brighton beat West Ham by three goals to nil. Um, but, before that, you know, you guys hadn't met in five years, and the last time you met Brighton, you'd beaten them once, six, six nil, one. six, six nil, nil. Yeah. six that, nil. That, that that Overhead kick. Yeah, yeah, I remember. You know, Ricardo Vazquez, Sam Allardyce's favourite. I mean, looking at the form, you know, before that it was Brighton and Over Albion nil, West Ham United one, West Ham three, Brighton and Over Albion nil. So you haven't beaten them in in the last two attempts. I mean, do you think this is your best chance? I think so. I think we're in a we're in a better place coming into this game than we were than we were in the previous two meetings with them last season in terms of you know just general feeling around the club general positivity we're, we're on the back of four games unbeaten in all competitions um, you know I think you know there's, there's, a, there's a nice feeling around the club going into this one compared to the last two two meetings yeah we look a lot more secure defensively as well this time around than we have done previously playing Brighton um, you know two goals conceded in our last four in all competitions isn't bad going at all especially when you consider we've been playing United Chelsea and Everton mm. so yeah I mean we're looking good across the park and yeah I mean we, we should be able to trouble Brighton I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing us put on a good performance and you know whether that warrants three points I don't don't know but we should go there and, and be confident and put in a good performance at the very least just a change of sort of uh, of angle where we're going and looking at this evening's evening standard and jonathan hun has picked up in an article saying west ham starler Declan rice set to choose england and turn back on ireland um because of roy Keane's hardline attitude that according to jason mcateer what do you make of it i don't know i mean it's very difficult to really east it's difficult to really make a judgment on on what he wants to do. You know, if that's what he wants to do, then then fair play to him. I, I said a few weeks ago, be mad to pick England over Ireland because he's more likely to get you know more opportunities with Ireland. But you know, if he continues the way he's going, then he'll be he'll be a permanent fixture in that England team. So 
he's he's got a lot of people in his ear. He's had a lot of a lot of coverage on it. I, whatever decision he makes, I think we need to support that and get behind him. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, it doesn't doesn't really affect West Ham fans as such. Obviously, it would be nice to see him in an England shirt. Yeah. Um, but like you say, I mean, he has more of a chance of playing for Ireland. I mean, I don't. I mean, personally, from a personal opinion, I don't understand why a player would play for you know the under twenty ones, under twenties, nineteens for Ireland, which he has done, and you know even in the first team, he's made a few first team appearances for them, hasn't he? Um, and then go to England. I I never really sort of understood that unless you're not being given the opportunity. I mean, a perfect example would be Diego Costa, who was at Brazil, not being given opportunity, and is a starter for Spain. But um, yeah, I, I never really understand that unless you're sort of forced into doing it. It's a it's a strange one anyway. I mean, the way I see it is that. You know, if like if you've already played for that country, it doesn't matter what level. Then mm. the way I see it is, you should continue yeah, playing exactly. for that country. Yeah, I agree. Um, Mark Noble said it in the past. I know he he's never been called up to the first team for England, which is criminal in itself. But mm. um, he he said that he. I mean, he qualifies for Ireland, and he said he, he'll never play for Ireland because he doesn't feel Irish. Yeah, he doesn't feel Irish, and I think you know. I, I can't speak for Declan Rice who don't know what he feels like whether he feels Irish whether he feels English but he qualifies for both nations but regardless of what's been said regardless of what you know what he thinks of Roy Keane or anything people have to get behind this decision I know a lot of Irish fans are going to be a little bit upset if he does pick England but you know if that's what he wants to do then let him go and do it this has got to be the optimum time for him to to pledge his, his allegiances to England though because Gareth Southgate has got this thing about picking the youth and bringing through you know sort of the next crop of players and and if he's lucky he could find himself in a starting berth in the England squad you know before not too long but this is the week I think he'll get hit. we'll find out what he wants to do and I think he'll get called up on Thursday I, th- I think, yeah, if he chooses England, he should get called up based on his recent performances. And, you know, we know our Southgate likes to pick players upon form, um, especially if young players are on good form, which Declan Rice is. I think he should get into the England team, should he choose England. I mean, him sort of, you know, putting out this message to, you know, that that he wants to get a pick for England. I think it's, it's great timing and great PR from Declan Rice. Just one other story I want to look at. And um, West Ham monster, it's a Diop vast to get even more scary after Jose Mourinho Braves Ken Dyer in the evening standard tonight talks about that. Um, you know, obviously, he I think uh, Diop was coming off against those comments that Mourinho made about his scouting network. Um, Diop then said, we kept the ball when I tried to make a difference. We won the game so I'm happy it's good for my confidence but I don't think I played that good I need to improve and work harder um how happy are you just to see that sort of you know attitude I mean it's good to see he's not just there to pick up the uh pick up the paycheck Diop after a a big money move but you know it's 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 good I mean uh, the best one is when he turned around and said uh, all the compliments need to go to my mother because she gave us a good education (laughs) fair play (laughs) he's only 21 a lot of people don't realize how young he is Um, and yeah, you got to love that attitude. You know, there seems to be quite a lot of players in that squad at the moment with some like, re- with a really good attitude. Um, Diop being one of them, I think he's right. He's probably got he's got a long way to go before he's the complete centre half. But he's, he's definitely on his on his way there. He's improved with every game. Um, I thought against Man United he was he was very good again. Uh, warranted those those really good comments from Mourinho. I think. Um, so yeah, if he can continue with that attitude and continue improving every game, then I think we've had a steal at what twenty was it twenty one and a half, twenty two mm, million. Yeah, like definitely. I mean, you know, he, he I, I really like yesterday up. I was really impressed with the signing of him because I don't think we've taken enough gambles in the past, certainly in recent years. You know, bringing in someone you know who 
has so much potential, you know, like Issa Diop. You know, I think we we almost bottled out of players like James Madison, you mm. know, players of that calibre from the Championship, bringing him in over the summer. Um, to bring in Issa Diop and, you know, the fact that he's in the first team doing really well is absolutely fantastic because, you know, we've often gone for more experienced players, players who we know are going to do a job in the Premier League. And certainly David Moyes felt that way while in charge of West Ham. He was only going to sign players who were proven in the Premier League. You're lucky you didn't end up with on. Phil Jagielka, pal. Uh, well, yeah, and that's Brian Oviedo. <laughs> Seamus, Seamus Coleman's not a bad player, actually. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah. He's not bad at all. Interesting to read those comments um, and, you know, the praise that Diop has for Manuel Pellegrini. You look at the pedigree of centre-halves that Pellegrini sort of raised, cultivated Vincent Company, and he got the best out of Martin Demichelis as well at Manchester City. Chaps, it's been an absolute honour and a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll have your West Ham show back for you next Monday. Don't forget to go online via lovesportradio.com. Hit on demand, find the West Ham logo and enjoy. You can also do it via the Love Sport Radio. Sports Social Podcast Network.